Hello, Action Alerts Plus members. This is Chris Versace, and I'm privileged to have, well, privileged to have time to talk about a very exciting topic that impacts a number of areas inside the Action Alerts Plus portfolio. It also talks to a number of the drivers that we've been speaking to as well, whether it's EVs or the Biden infrastructure law. Um, here to chat with us about that and what its impact is on the demand for copper is Daryl Jones, the president and CEO of Alpha Copper. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate the time today to get to know Alpha Copper. Um, well, I, I appreciate you carving the time out as well. It's the end of summer as, as we're having this conversation. Always a busy time for uh, everybody. And, and what I'm really excited about is, you know, we at the AAP portfolio, as, as I just kind of mentioned, we, we've been very much tuned into some of these drivers that are also benefiting the demand for copper, but we don't have any copper exposure. So I, I think it's a great time to speak with you so we can you know, not only educate ourselves, but educate the members uh, as to why copper is so important and why the demands for it are, are poised to grow. But more importantly, it's not, I think, as some people like to say, bullet cases and, you know, other and, and other, uh, you know, dated applications, if you will, that there's a lot of new growth initiatives that can really benefit the demand for copper. Yeah, it, it's a great, uh, a great starting point. Uh, copper is one of those metals that is used in everything from conventional batteries, conventional uh, hybrid vehicles, plug-in electric vehicles, all the way up to batteries in buses. Uh, you've got it in, in motors and generators, wind turbines, transmission lines, solar. It's, it's virtually <clears throat> uh, a universal metal. And, and the market today is, is, is in a bit of a supply crunch. You've got... Um, You've got prices, you know, let's call it eight months ago, we're at all time highs north of $5 a pound, which is an, an incredible increase. Uh, and, but yet you've got major mining companies running out of reserves and, you know, they're going to start looking for other opportunities to, excuse me, replace those reserves, i.e. mining the balance sheets. So, you know, the the Cadelco, the, 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 the big companies operating out of Chile, are sending majority of their stuff, their 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 supply to China, and and um, you know that voracious beast is is going to continue to operate, and and so the goal of of us and Alpha Copper, when we started the process, was was looking at at assets in North America that can effectively replace that supply to North America and Europe for that matter, but but for, first and foremost. Um, you know, with the Biden infrastructure plan and, and all this new green energy and, and green technologies, you know, it's going to need to be supplied to not only Canada, but to the U.S. and, and in insatiable amounts. So, you know, we've we've undertaken that uh, as our sort of mission statement is to to be able to find green metals that will supply the uh, the, the robust market in, in North America. So. Let me let me just back up a second. So you you said a few minutes ago that if we looked at copper prices today compared to eight months ago, they've taken off. Just just to be clear for for the listeners, was that due in part to the Russia Ukraine war and any clampdown on copper exports out of that region, or is that really more the the depletion that you're talking about in South America? I think I think it's it's you know certainly. Uh, 
the war machine sort of chugging forward will 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 bring additional sort of pinch points on on supply chains you know that are that are um that are currently out there as as we've seen but you you've just got a depletion of of production out of south america the largest the largest producing mines are running out of supply and um and then you've got uh the current stockpiles being depleted for you know what what i just talked about transmission lines motors generators all of this stuff right you know solar's getting a, a renewed interest in the us with uh with musk and his solar city and uh you've got you know the U.S. government saying they're going to convert their whole fleet to electric or hybrid vehicles over the next five to ten years, and it's it's crazy. I mean, California just came out again and reiterated: by 2035, there will be no combustion engines on the road. It will be it will be hydrogen and electric, which is 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 wonderful for us. But I mean, you know, they they're going to have to build out the charging networks. You know. Again, transmission, motors, generators, like it's it's all going to use tons and tons of copper. So so what you're saying is, and I, I apologize if I'm kind of distilling this down to, to the very basic terms, but depletion, very, very, very big, robust outlook for demand. There's going to be a critical pain point here. And alpha copper is, you know, charging the way forward, no pun intended, to bridge that gap and, and fill that hole, if you will. Okay. When, so, you know, just stepping back, um, you know, a lot of folks are interested in copper. Economists talked about copper because they call it Dr. Copper. You know, to your point, it's, it's in almost anything and everything uh, from, from an industrial perspective. My, my question to you is, and this might seem very simplistic, but again, just, just for bringing everybody up to speed, why Canada? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, Canada, specifically British Columbia, has been uh, a, a hotbed for what are called copper porphyry deposits. And, and copper porphyry deposits are what are currently being mined out of South America. They're very large, large scale, low, low grade uh, mining operations. So they're perfect for the majors to operate. Um, and, and BC is, is ripe with them. We've got, you know, let's call it a half a dozen, all sort of in and around middle northern BC that are all producing currently at this stage copper, um, copper mineral. And so we believe that the best place to find another copper deposit is in the the shadow of a head frame of a current copper. It's it's the old mining adage, right? You find a mine next to another mine. So, you know, why not be um, in in the shadow of another head frame and so that's that was the first approach for us to to enter into the market we also know bc very well you know the company's headquartered in in british columbia and, and you guys have had like 40 years of exploration experience correct yeah i mean our 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 team our chief geologist or our sort of uh technical advisor is a 40-year tenured ge geophysicist geologist who's had multiple discoveries to his name uh, to his credit, and and this is this is his backyard. And you know, we we're going to add some we're going to add some new pieces to the team as well here, which I think is going to be very significant. But you know, you you need a a strong. I I don't want to say gray hair network, but he's you know Bill's in his seventies and he still goes out to Dar the field. Darryl, I mean, yeah, I I have gray I have gray hair. We call that experience. 
Hey, listen, I traded my hair for experience, Chris. <laughs> I traded it all. Um, so, yeah, we're super excited about Bill and then some additional team members to, to come in. And, and so coming back to BC, recently there was a, a resource investment conference here, the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. And a lot of the major companies out of South America were here and they were looking for replacement assets because our, our you know province and our deposit type fits the bill for what they're looking for. And so they've, they've adequately named British Columbia Chile North. Oh, uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. So that was something that came out of that conference, and we were super excited about it. And, you know, to the, to the final point, the BC copper industry, it's been, you know, copper hasn't necessarily been the, you know, flashiest metal, and it's been a tough road for a lot of guys. So there is, there is an opportunity, as evidenced by uh, some of the stuff we're working on, to, to consolidate the BC copper industry and, and realistically you know, turn, turn the taps on for investment and, uh, and uh, profits for investors that are, that are riding with us. But let me just ask a couple of qualifying questions. So I think two or three times you said the majors, when you say that again, for, for the listener, who, what, what types of companies or what specific companies are you kind of referring to? Yeah, so major mining companies would be multi-billion dollar, as I said, mining companies, you know, Cadelco, uh, Glencore, um, you know, Newcrest Mining, uh, Tech Cominco, Agnico Eagle, you know, the, 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 big, the big sort of mineral exploration companies. And, and, and I don't want to just limit the majors to just copper companies because a lot of times with these deposits, there is a gold element, there is a precious metals element. So you can get the barracks, uh, the Newmonts, the Kinrod, you can get, you know, a major mining company, not just a copper company that will look to, uh, you know, take on these types of assets. So we don't want to limit ourselves to, you know, one specific sort of subset. And, and so you guys have, you know, experience, you have uh, toehold in the right geography, and you just mentioned that the industry is, you know, potentially poised to consolidate. Are, are you thinking that Alpha Copper is a consolidator? And I, I asked that tongue in cheek because of the name of the company. You know, are you the alpha, I guess, is the question. Yeah, I mean, we we would like to consider ourselves uh, a consolidator and and we will look for we will look for distressed assets or assets that maybe, uh, you know, have run their course with the current operators, ones that maybe they can't raise capital. I mean, one of the skill sets of our group as well is we, we, we are able to capitalize and, and take advantage of some of these. Um, and then ultimately the goal would be is to take it to a position where we become consolidated, uh, which is, you know, obviously the, the ultimate goal for our shareholders. Okay. And, you know, just just looking back at copper prices, I, I'm just kind of curious on, on how you guys see it unfolding, because if we look at other, you know, key commodities, uh, particularly, let's say, in the ag sector, you know, they, they spiked in uh, February, March on, on the news of the war and potential shortages. They've come back down, you know, and now they're going back up. But a lot of what drives that, believe it or not, is weather, which impacts the harvest. Um, how sustainable is the move in copper prices that you're seeing? And, and if you were to think about it, kind of game it out, how long would it take for production to come on such that perhaps they come back down to prices they were at, you know, two, three quarters ago? Yeah, I mean, I'm not an economist, just to, let's just get that straight. But I, I think that the current market, 
because it's it's not necessarily a weather driven uh it's not a it's not a sort of cyclical or a season it's not seasonality i mean you know you're looking at uh i think longer term larger sort of undercurrents that um you know effectively i mean when you when you're talking about driven by government uh, entities converting, say, like I said, the U.S. government converting their fleets. You have the 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 macro picture in place to drive copper demand uh, for not just quarters but for years. Um, and you know, if if governments and and you know regional governments want to maintain these sort of green initiatives, uh, they're going to have to find ways to to be able to meet this without it ending up costing the consumer an arm and a leg, right? I mean, that's 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 currently the, the traditional model. It's like, well, prices rise, just push it onto the consumer. But I mean, if you're going to force, like California, force people off the road in, in combustion engines, you've got to make it affordable. At the very least, you got to make it more affordable than it was to drive a combustion engine. So, you know, we like that sort of backdrop and that narrative, and it just speaks to the, you know, the window being wider, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As we like to say in, in, you know, investing, right, the window is a lot wider for for us to, you know, or the runway is there for us to be able to take this to a point where, uh, you know, we can derive a lot of value. Do you get more excited by the tailwind that is the green economy or the one that is, let's say, the Biden infrastructure law? And and and, and when I say excited, um, you know, there, there's two ways to think about that. There's the near term opportunity and then there's the larger opportunity. Yeah, it, it is. It is very exciting because it's, you know, if you look back at the the whole electric vehicle revolution, the biggest backdrop that it had was Elon Musk and tweeting and talking and bringing it to the forefront. So the more sort of mouthpieces that are working with us short term, I think is is going to be see you're going to see the most benefit, um, all the better, right? And then the longer term backdrop is not necessarily mouthpieces sort of out there spouting information and getting people excited. It's just literally the demand, which you know, as I said, we're not we're not a specific specialty metal copper. You're not looking at one market like a lithium or a graphite or some of these other ones, which are specifically for batteries. They do have some other opportunities, but I mean, this is used in housing. It's used in wind, solar, like it's, it's got multiple markets that will drive growth in our opinion um, for, for a considerable amount of time. And and obviously not straight up. We're going to have, you know, these pullbacks like we've seen recently from, from sort of $5 a pound or 480 back to sort of three, 25 and now we're sort of leveled out at 350 we think that that's a great price it's a great number to be at and so yeah it's you know short term and long term there's wonderful opportunities to uh, to capitalize is there a particular break even price for copper for your business for our business i mean i i'd be guessing i'd be throwing out numbers and hoping that they stock later no um it all depends on grade and it depends on size of the deposit and and where you're at and those are decisions that get made you know sort of later on down the road when you're when you're actually um when you've got when you've identified and you're harvesting correct correct yeah okay and where where are you in terms of that um life cycle how how many projects do you have going when will you start harvesting or have you started to harvest and and walk us through that timetable 
Yeah, so it's uh, right now we have two projects uh, which are currently being worked on. The one that the first one we'll talk about is in data. It's it's in what's called a region. It's in a region what's called the Quenelle Trough, very well known in in BC and in sort of mining circles. We're drilling it right now. There's been extensive work done on it, and we're going to finish up a drill program which. You know, we'll 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 know. Let's call it start of October, all the way through December. Results will be pouring in, and from that, we'll continue working uh, and and look to build on what would be called a resource. Um, you know, but I mean, that's still that one's still fairly early uh, in terms of the life cycle. But you know, things can change very rapidly. Uh, all based on 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 drilling that's being done there. And then we have another project which is further sort of west near the coast uh, on the south coast there near powell river it is um it is already sort of defined as a deposit there is there is copper and molybdenum on on the uh, on the project as it stands <clears throat> excuse me that one is is i'm going to say four or five years ahead of the other project in terms of if you were to you know put these sort of loose timelines on it mm -hmm. and we're going to be up there working on that one sort of mid-october working to build on that resource and grow it um and ultimately i think we can monetize that asset if we get it to a certain sort of threshold but realistically you know we're 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 ahead of majority of the other companies that are working in bc to put a timeline on it it's it's you know it's a very broad sort of open timeline but you know we could look to monetize these assets in two or three years at, at worst i okay. think and how did you choose these sites is, is there a particular insight use of technology something that differentiates you from some of your competitors that was allowed you to go this is where we want to be yeah, I mean it's 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 very similar to like a real estate transaction, right? Location, location, location. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's it's an inexact science, and anyone that tells you they can see through rocks is lying to you. So you know, we sort of take it as a fifty thousand foot view. You do some regional work, and then you come down to a thirty thousand foot view, and you do more central, localized stuff over top, and then you and then you drill down further. And you know, the team that we sort of put together, the reason why I shifted over to this uh, was was based on one of our shareholders, a very bright individual mining engineer, has a nose for projects, is very good at finding these, and has done, you know, extremely successful, uh, has been extremely successful in finding these projects. And he pushed me and, and our team towards the Indata and this Oak Over project, which we're obviously very excited about. So um, you know, that was the initial sort of entry into this and what sets us apart is the fact that both projects have had extensive work done on them a lot of the leg the early legwork which is very tough and arduous work and it's not rewarding to a lot of shareholders excuse me because it doesn't yield a lot of results that would get people excited so a majority of that work is done on both these projects and that's the kind of stuff that we would look for someone else has put the hard yards in you know, we can step into something that that we can then sort of have a fresh look at, have some fresh eyes, and 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 bring our sort of approach to it that um, you know will deliver to the shareholders. So this is two projects. How many projects can the team sustain? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, we're uh, we're looking at we've we've got an acquisition which is just beginning. We're just beginning to sort of unravel. Um, you know, we can work on uh, the the team can work on all four of these, but ultimately, the goal would be, you know, fine tune it to to two real centered projects, and ideally one, 
because these types of projects, when you get rolling with them, I mean, you've got multiple, you know, I'm going to say you have dozens of people working, you have multiple drill rigs all out there. So it can get quite intense. Um, but at this stage, the goal is to fine tune what we currently have and, and, and ultimately come out with a winner and then look to monetize the other ones. So the reason I asked that question is, you know, typically when you look at, you know, the oil patch, there's a lot of, you know, portfolio theory, right? I'll drill 10 holes, you know, if I get, you know, five that produce, but two that really are, quote, gushers, you know, I know that I can um, return all my capital, make a stellar profit. So that that's kind of what I was wondering. But I was also wondering, though. Um, regarding the size of some of these projects, are, are these, again, just, just for the listener who may not be informed, when, when you talk about a large-scale copper project, how long are you mining that for? It's not days, it's not weeks, it's quarters, decades. it's years, decades. De decades, okay. right? Okay. I mean, you most, you know, you got to understand the CapEx, the large sort of capital investment that goes into these. The goal would be, you know, to have a multi-decade mine life where you're you're pulling uh, you're pulling minerals or material out and you're capitalizing on, on the price. Um, so just let's, let's take a step back. So yes, these are large projects. Um, they do require quite intense, um, you know, sort of work and, and manpower, but at this stage right now, it's more data and analytics. And then when you get up there with the team on the drill programs, it's, it's not, it's not quite as, it's not quite as large an operation as one would think. Um, so you can sort of spread yourself across all of these and do the work. And then ultimately it is somewhat of a portfolio sort of thesis. Like you said, um, you know, the lead dog will come through. Um, and then, like I said, you know, if, if, if you can monetize them, you know, you can, you can sell them, you can move, move forward on them. They become trading chits in the end. Right. But, you know, we think we have right now, um, two projects which both one is already delivered because we've acquired an asset that has copper in the ground so we know that there's uh we know there's something to to continue to build on there the indata project has all the right elements to be able to deliver here out of this first drill program everyone's very excited um and then the two new assets we're rolling in uh or looking to roll in are company makers the the star project that that's that's coming in as a company maker on its own already so yeah, we're we're pretty excited. Like I said, of, of becoming this consolidator and and bringing this into the fold, and then um, you know look to deploy our our capital and our team, and and really you know derive the value out of which one of these we feel is going to be the best uh, the best opportunity for our shareholders. Okay, so um, two or three final questions, and uh, one of them just goes to what you were saying. It, it sounds like if I listen to you, Daryl that a lot of that um, risk intense work is past you. Yes, you have capital intensive work ahead of you, but because you've identified the projects and what they're likely to kick out over the next several years, several decades, the, the risk reward profile of the company is very different than it would have been six months ago, a year ago. Yes, uh, that's 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 the biggest thing with these projects is we have. So as I mentioned before, that the BC copper industry is ripe for consolidation. You know, that's what we've effectively done. We've stepped in to someone else's shoes who's done that hard, early sort of grinding work. And the goal would be 
effectively spend our capital wisely, but but you know take that value that they've de- derived and and you know give it to our shareholders, right? So these these projects take a lot of time and effort in, in the initial stages. So you know why not uh, capitalize on somebody else's uh, legwork? So between now and the end of the year. Right, because there's only four, roughly almost four months left in uh, 2022. What what are some of the key signposts that you're looking for? You, you mentioned earlier um, October through December for in data, but what what is it you want to see? And then what would be some analogous um, signposts for the other projects? Uh, yeah. So the the in data project is being drilled. Results are you know again sort of with the lab. The uh, the OK Over project, which is the, our other uh, currently owned project on the on the south coast, uh, we we expect to be able to drill that in October as well. And the, the signposts are effectively, you know, when we start drilling this, that that you know, we're seeing the mineralization that that is indicative of of copper, and that. Um, you know, nothing dramatic happens on the property that kills it, as as we would say, right? So, um, you know, we're we're obviously very confident on on both of these, um, but you know, those are sort of the signposts as we move forward. And then, obviously, some additional green initiatives. The backdrop we wanted to keep going. Obviously, you know, the the general market does uh, does affect everybody, right? We're not we're not immune to. You know, copper having a fall off the Dow, any of these sort of major markets. So, you know, ideally. A little bit of, uh, of um, I don't know how to say this, calmness in the overall markets. Uh, yeah. You know, some some certainty to give everyone a backdrop that they can point in one direction, as opposed to you know every six days waking up and there's a new headline out there that's you know stealing thunder away from you know what would be better. Well, you know, well better I times. think I think I think the greatest. So I was going to ask you this question, but I'll, I'll give you I'll I'll go first. Okay. So the the greatest risk that I see from you guys in terms of a stock price is perception, not about you, right? Mm -hmm. But more about the concern as we head into an economy where historically in the past, you know, the economy has slowed, manufacturing has slowed, um, you know, there would have been a slowing of demand for copper. But, and this is key, and this relates to several of the positions as well in the AAP portfolio, there, it's arguably different this time because of the fiscal stimulus that you have. Uh, you know, again, I, we can talk about the Biden initiatives, whether it's infrastructure spending or um, the build out of the EV economy, uh, push towards solar, this, a number of things that you mentioned already, and it's not just the US. So I, I would argue that it's, it is different this time so that, that that's an understandable risk that might hit the stock price. But for people who understand the story and the drivers, it's something I think that they can, quote, wrap their head around and understand where things are going. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, um, you know, traditionally copper up until whatever, you know, how, how long has this sort of EV market been going? But even even copper hasn't really been discussed as an EV metals for, you know, it's only been a few years. So, well, what's 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 crazy is, you know, it, it, so there, there are two things that, that are I, I don't think a lot of people know, which is that when you go from combustion engines to EVs, not only is there a significant number uh, increase of chips, but the amount of wiring that is in yeah. an EV vehicle, EV vehicle compared to a combustion vehicle, again, significantly higher. And I, I just don't think people have kind of grabbed, have, you know, 
uh, grabbed onto that and they're not thinking that way, which is, again, was part of the reason why I was excited to talk to you. Yep. Yeah, it's it's one of those it's 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 one of those things where it's like copper is not a specialty metal, but I think investors are going through a relearning process as to what copper is used on. And that's a tough process, right? You have to like anybody. I mean, as adults, you know, you traditionally have to sort of get beaten over the head several times before you have that moment like, oh, I get it now. I should be you know paying attention to this. Right. And like I said, coming back to your comment about the, you know, the government and all these talking heads, Elon Musk did that for lithium for everybody. The only thing people thought lithium was used for was, you know, as a, as not as a sedative, but as a mood regulator, right? Right. And so right. eventually everyone's like, wait a minute, lithium, you know, how do we find this? I mean, you can see the EV boom in, in, in North America, just in Nevada with the, um, with all the mines down there that are, or all, excuse me, all the, the the projects in Nevada, Reno, all of this stuff. I mean, you've got old oil and gas wells in Utah that are being worked for lithium at horizons that have never been touched. Like it's it's wild. Crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So well, that that's the that's the, the hope is that you get this relearning process and investors that are normally like, well. You know, copper's Dr. Copper. The economy's not great, but wait, there's more drivers for it. So, I, I, I totally agree. And and again, I as as part of the re-education for not only myself and my partner Bob Lang, but the um, AAP members, I, I want to say thank you so much for spending some time with us today. But Daryl, before we get out of here, is there any any one thing that we did not talk about that you know that people listening to this need to know about Alpha Copper? Uh, you know, I think we covered it. I mean, for the most part, we're we're working towards you know filling that gap. I mean, we want to be we want to be a, a a company that that supplies North America um, for for this this growing you know space that that we think is is isn't going anywhere. So um, you know that's that's the goal and that's the mission statement. So we're, I think we're I think we covered everything. And again, appreciate all the time and uh, the insightful questions. Oh, I thank you, Daryl. And uh, as as things progress, I, I hope to reserve the right to speak with you again. Happy to. All right. Thank you, Daryl.